Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. We've been covering what's been happening over in the European Union, specifically to countries like Germany and the UK, uh, where they are suffering dramatically higher power bills already, and it hasn't even really gotten that cold yet. It's going to very soon. Uh, it's begun, of course, and now with the headline from RT.com, which is Russia Today, the Germans have failed their first gas-saving test. You might remember over the summer, the Russian energy company, which is a state-owned energy company, Gazprom, cut the uh, Nord Stream 1 pipeline down to 20% of its normal volume, and then subsequently a month later, cut it off entirely. Now Nord Stream 2 has been blown up by still heretofore unnamed uh, sources, likely the United States military. And so two of the main, well, Nord Stream 2 was never utilized, but it was filled with gas. And all the Germans had to do was just basically press the, you know, sign some paperwork and, and, and get it operating. Now it's, you know, been broken. Uh, so they're, they're down significantly. And the government people there have been saying, well, OK, people, we're going to have to cut back. You know, in order to get through the winter, we've we've stocked up a bunch of gas. They've got like whatever facilities you would store gas in long term they've got that and they've uh, been filling those and they've been telling people that they need to cut back well according to rt german households and small businesses raised their natural gas consumption by 14.5 percent above the five-year average in the week from september 19th through 25th according to germany's energy regulator the federal network agency so that much more than that week last year or the Over month before? The, the last five years. Compared to the last five oh. years, September 19th to 25th, their gas consumption was up fourteen over 14%. Well, it doesn't sound like they're conserving very well. No, and that's the point here is that they yeah. have failed at uh, their first, what they're calling the gas-saving test. If it's going more expensive, why are they using more gas? It, I don't know. That doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. You know what? Everyone I talk to in the United States, because gas prices and electricity prices over here are also astronomical. They're going up. Yeah, yeah, they're going up. Everyone I talk to is like, I'm turning all the lights on my house off. We do not have the heat on yet. And it's still like pretty cold here. If California had cracked $10, there'd be headlines everywhere. And, yeah. and it did crack 10 at some pumps, I think. When the price had shot up, when it was like around here, it was like four sixty, getting up towards five dollars. Yeah. I think there was some stations in California that were getting close to ten, and that was making headlines. That yeah. maybe I got sure the number seven that. because it's seven dollars per gallon in some places. That yeah. seems Sorry. probably true, and that's probably for the high end uh, stuff as well. So, yeah, months ago I was in California, and it was still like high six dollars. So I was right. very surprised when I saw a Facebook status of a woman that I met while I was out there complaining about how the gas was still that expensive because I assumed it would have went down because over here in New Hampshire and the rest of the East Coast, you know, gas was over $4. But now I, I was just in Connecticut a uh, couple nights ago. It was under $3. It was, wow. you know, two ninety something. Good so, times are back. <laughs> right. Well, I was very <laughs> surprised to hear that it was still the same. It was still... You know, almost $7 a gallon mm-hmm. in California. It hadn't went down in California. That is interesting. 
the private sector represents around 40% of gas consumption in Germany, mainly using gas for heating purposes. The increase coincided with the year's first cold snap, with temperatures in northwest Europe dropping below the 30-year average. So it got colder there faster uh, than it has gotten here, apparently. However, according to the regulator, quote, the savings required to avoid a gas shortage must be achieved independently of temperatures, unquote. So, meaning it doesn't matter what the temperature is out there, you have to cut back. Now, I don't know how they're going to mandate this. I don't know how they're going to enforce the mandate on this. But there was something else in the news today about the European Union trying to, like, cap energy prices and spending 13 billion euros to subsidize the energy companies. Like, they're trying to do all manner of... Because that's going to help, right? No, it won't. I mean, it'll <laughs> it'll just make it look like they're doing something. It's just going to make it worse. When in reality, yes. In the yeah. long term, it will make it worse. The same reason why bailouts here in the U.S. did not make things better. Uh, it just gives the illusion that the state's doing something. The Federal Network Agency noted that a reduction in consumption of at least 20% is required to avoid a gas shortage in the coming months. So they're already telling you you have to cut back 20%. Now, I'm sure that usage doesn't exactly correlate to, like, degrees in temperature. Bonnie, you mentioned during the break that uh, you just don't really have any concern for what the people in Europe are having to go through. Why would you say that? I didn't say it like that. I just said that they asked for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said I'm too tired to care about like blah, 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 20% since September 23rd, blah, blah, blah. I'm just tired. That's all. Mm -hmm. Bonnie has no mercy for the people in Europe. Well, I said, Ian. the thing is, it could be coming here soon. And it's true, so, yeah. I mean, I think that's not to say that... Uh, and I think that you can still have empathy. I'm not telling you you have to, uh, but I think that you can still... I didn't still... say I didn't, though. Okay, good. Uh, you can, one can still have empathy for people who have made a, a grievous mistake, which is to say to get involved in international conflicts and to be cheering on one side or the other in some sort of war between two tyrant states. You can have empathy for them, but the natural law consequences won't have any empathy because they're just a concept. Well, that's true. Uh, You cannot avoid the the law of consequence for for actions. And in this case, if you're backing up a tyrant, which is Vladimir Zelensky and Vladimir Putin are both Mm -hmm. tyrants, uh, then that's what you're going to get. By the way, did you guys see this... Google Translate meme that's been going around no, about, I have not. about Zelensky. Oh, that it means the evil one rules the world? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Did you see that? If you just separate Volodymyr, or it might be Zelensky, into two different words and uh, translate it from Ukrainian to English, according to this meme, I didn't double check it, did you, Ian? I checked it. It means yeah. the, evil the evil one rules the world. So, so Creepy. Uh, yeah, so what happened was, somebody figured this out. Uh, it's Z E L E space N S K Y. So you put, so you kind of turn his name into, into, like into two, two words, words, yeah, and then you put his first name after that, Vladimir V L O V O L O D Y space M Y R. So again, exact lettering in in his name, just with spaces in between. And of course, we all know that names came from somewhere, right? Like that there's yeah. there's yeah. etymology and history behind names. And some people would say there is no such thing as a coincidence. And Google Translate was translating this to uh, exactly the evil one owns the world. But what happened apparently 
was Google Translate blocked this translation oh. after this meme started going around. Of course they did. I mean, I think the gas prices are always artificial. I don't ever think there's a legitimate correlation for supply to the price that people are paying. It's all the government just charging whatever they want for it and placing regulations on the oil companies. Well, yeah, it's hard to know what the actual price of gas should be because, as you said, there's a lot of regulation. There's also the fact that taxpayers are essentially subsidizing it in that if you think about the military going over into the Middle East and securing oil fields and things like that, what does that cost? How do you, Those are not numbers that are factored into the price because the taxpayers are footing the bill yeah. for, for that activity, keeping shipping lanes clear and that sort of thing. All very, very costly. So we really don't know what the the price is, but we do know that, uh, that one of the big headlines today was that OPEC's cutting uh, production in the Middle East. So you got a situation. What is that? Uh, OPEC is, I'm sorry, I forget what it stands for, but it's essentially a cartel, as, as I understand it, of Middle Eastern gas, gas oh. uh, providers, mm. oil providers. So they're cutting production. So they're not doing any favors for the United States and the European Union. So if OPEC's cutting production and the uh, the European Union and the Western democracies are putting a, a cap on what they're willing to pay for Russian gas, you are likely going to see the price of that particular thing, uh, product, go up over time. And as a result, according to Euronews.com, a man named Emmanuel Lehmans runs a successful bakery in Belgium. Uh, but it uh, says running a business has become very complicated due to the rise in prices. His energy costs recently tripled, oh and goodness. he said he was shocked at the change in price. He said one bill for 36,000 euros was an adjustment for the year 2021, and then they calculated the energy costs to be 14,800 euros wow. per month. Remember, does, he fly a Euro- does he fly a Ukrainian flag in I his window and run Ukrainian bread specials on the menu? Good question. It wouldn't surprise me, but there's, there's no image here of, uh, of the shop's window, at least that I can see. Uh, but uh, he says for the time being, he hasn't paid the bill, hoping that there was a mistake by energy supplier Engie. Uh-huh. I don't think there was, bud. Sorry. He says at some point, someone needs to do something to cap prices or reduce them. It's not possible. Nearly three out of four Americans are now more concerned about rising prices. So a lot of Americans were already concerned. Now, 74% of Americans are now even more concerned than before about inflation. BMO Financial Group released survey data on the economy and inflation showing 74% are increasingly worried about rising costs due to inflation. Quote, more than 70% feel their financial momentum is threatened by higher grocery bills. So that's 78% said that. The rising cost of gas, 76% said that. Uh, in order to prepare for a potential recession, 76% of Americans say they're making lifestyle changes, such wow. as de- delaying large purchases on a home or a car, paying down debt, and cutting back on holiday spending. So one of the big questions is, you know, what's the holiday season going to look like for a lot of these retailers who've counted for years on uh, what's called Black Friday, where supposedly retailers get into the black, as it's called. They become profitable for the first time in the year. And I don't know whether that's hmm. true or not. But that's oh, where I didn't the, know what that meant. That's Me where either. the name supposedly really? came from. I have a hard time believing that's the first time they're profitable. It is hard to believe, isn't it? And especially but. when they're giving everything so cheap. 
It is hard to believe, but that's the saying. Uh, right. you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, Americans have been historically very irresponsible uh, with their with their money, and and the holiday season is usually a, a show of that. Uh, so, are they going to cut back? You know, time will tell. We'll find out more probably in a. In They're just going to go into debt to do their normal Black Friday that's things. That's what people well, that's, usually do. Right. I know so many parents who are like, "Well, I have to get my kid." This like $700 thing and all this stuff, so I just put it on my credit card. Well, yes, you're correct, Bonnie. That is exactly what Americans do. I saw this video the other day, and it was a mother recording her daughter, a fight with her teenage daughter, and Mm. she's yelling at her daughter going, I already spent $3,000 on you for back-to-school stuff. Oh, my God. I am not taking you back to the mall today. And the girl is like having a mental breakdown like, it's not enough. And I'm just like... I could never imagine my mom while I was a teenager <laughs> buying me $3,000 worth of stuff just for like wow. back to school clothes. No. What do you, I mean, that's crazy. And I'm even yeah. thinking now, I'm like, I have clothes from like middle school that I still wear. Like what a spoiled brat needs right. $3,000 worth of clothes just to go back to for school. For one season. And yeah, is that's she getting crazy. In, and, and is she getting into enough. debt for that too? Probably. Probably. And you got to think, I mean, I, I kind of didn't feel bad for the mom because I'm like, this is your fault. Right. You yeah. shouldn't have done that. This. You shouldn't have even Created spent that. that much money on her in the first place. Yep. So now, you know, kids start expecting that stuff. So this That's is going to be a tough Christmas if parents can't expect to spend thousands of dollars on their spoiled brat kids. If you want to share your uh, thoughts tonight, your experience, feel free to weigh in at 603-283-6160. So again, uh, three out of four Americans here are very concerned with... Inflation. The poll conducted with the Ipsos also found that, quote, significantly fewer U.S. consumers feel confident about their financial situation compared to the last quarter. And that concern varies by age group. Older Americans are feeling more concerned than younger generations. Between ages 55 and 64, 82% said their concerns about inflation have increased over the last three months compared to 62% of those between the ages of 18 and 24. Now, is that because... Older folks have been through more. They know kind of yeah, probably. what to expect. They know that things are likely not going to turn around tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and younger people are just like, oh, we'll get through it. You know. And I, know. I think like older people, they remember when prices were much lower, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They and younger people, comparison. like, yeah, they don't really have, they're like, well, has this always been, because ex- even like myself, I've been thinking like, has this always been expensive? Like at the grocery store, I'm like, mm-hmm. did that already always cost that much? And I'm like, I'm not really sure. Like I can't remember what it used to cost. Well, right. right. So, I mean, how many years have you been shopping for yourself? Yeah. Right? And it's just like, do you think 10. about, yeah. do you think and retain that as a long-term memory? Like how much you paid for tortilla chips? You don't really retain that as long-term memory. It's like you're adding up how much you want to spend right there yeah. and then it goes away. I mean, when it goes up abruptly, mm-hmm. like a dollar a bag, I mean, that's easier to to find but i even know someone who eats cough drops a lot Mm -hmm. and they were like i remember when i could get a coupon at market basket to get these two for a dollar and now the bag of cough drops she likes is like almost four dollars a bag oh there's certain things that companies are doing to try to cover this up and one of the things we've discussed here in detail uh, over the years, not just recently, but for you know, we're, we've been aware of this for a long time, which is what the uh, has been termed shrinkflation. And if you're paying attention at the grocery store over the years, and again, this is also something where having years under your belt as yeah. a shopper 
helps. But even those paying attention under a shorter period of time, especially now, are probably noticing this happening. Uh, And I've talked about this for years. I remember when every yogurt on the shelf was an 8-ounce yogurt. If you were to just go buy it, it was an 8-ounce yogurt. And then it went down to like 6-something, and then it went down to 5.3 ounces. And it sort of stayed steady at 5.3 for a while because you can only cut it back so much. And now there's there's one brand on the store shelves at Market Basket, Nusa, uh, Nusa, which I'd never seen before we started shopping there, that actually has 8-ounce sizes available and it just looks so big by comparison yeah. it's like oh my god i can't yeah, they believe look like this. the big ones right. and it's not really i mean it's just the other one shrunk that was the old standard and, and the eight ounce standard has been gone for it must be more than a decade i, I think, think that's the serving size of yogurt eight so, ounce i think so it's too big for me but so, so, well, i just can't little, eat that much yogurt you're a little lady but <laughs> uh so in addition to, to yogurt you see it happening everywhere yeah uh the another great example of course is the old 64 ounce uh, orange juice, the orange juice containers, those have been slimmed down to like 52, 53, 54 ounces. So they are nowhere near the size. Oh, that like they the carton ones? The carton itself, yeah. yeah. And they'll slim, and they'll sometimes they'll do like sneaky things, like they'll. They'll like shave off the carton, but it'll be on the back side of the carton. So like the carton is thinner, yeah. but it's not like you can't see it on the rack yeah. as thinner. Oh, it just that doesn't is sneaky. have as much in it. And or I'm which sure, shape. Yeah. And I'm sure most people don't look at the actual ounces. They don't look at the size right. of what they're buying. They're that's just, what you have to pay attention yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been happening for a long time. And CBS News is reporting on a new thing, which also probably has happened as well, but just quietly. And it's harder to detect uh this is now called skimpflation so shrinkflation is where they change the size of packaging and they're real quiet about it and now they're doing skimpflation so what does that mean well some companies are reformulating their products using cheaper ingredients wow to reduce their manufacturing costs new and improved uh formula huh more soy yeah extra extra soy and corn syrup whatever's cheap is what they're going to be putting into their products. And now, Bonnie, this might be something you pick up on because you are actually somebody that does look at uh, product labeling. You do look at ingredients. So they've reduced the vegetable oil by about 40%. Customers who noticed have uh, flocked to Smart Balance website to complain about the formulation, calling it terrible, disgusting, and undesirable. Quote, we've been loyal <laughs> Smart Balance customers for a long time, but something changed, said one customer as part of their one-star review. They said further, it is now really soft, spits all over when frying an egg, and doesn't melt on Ew. toast. Just as bad, it's now over $10 for the big tub. Oh, this geez. tub is headed for the trash. So if this does actually encourage yeah. people to get rid of vegetable oil and switch to yeah. butter, that's great. Well, but they've but- been mind uh, brainwashed to think that... Yes. Animal fats are bad for your arteries Uh when really these polyunsaturated fatty acids are what block your arteries and animal fats don't do that. Well, because that's what dietitians were telling people in the 80s and the 90s. And then we found out, no. Well, actually, I think they still are telling people that vegetable oil is better for you than animal fats. Depends who you ask, right? It depends yeah. who you ask. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, of course, whenever they confront the companies about these things... A lot of times they don't even answer the questions, but in yeah. this case, ConAgra did speak. The spokesman said that he had uh, that they had changed the formulation to quote make them easier to spread. 
<laughs> but we've heard <laughs> nice the feedback. Save. Yeah, we've heard the feedback from consumers and have decided to return to the previous recipes in the coming months. Sure. So a total load, total cover up, nonsense. Skimflation may save costs or even boost the company's bottom line, at least in the short term, but it also risks turning off consumers who may seek alternatives that they view as providing better value or quant- uh, qualities at the uh, expert. Some angry customers vowed in their reviews they would switch brands because of the perception of poor quality after the recipe change. He said it's hurtful in the economic sense. You're getting a little less quality for your money, and it hasn't necessarily been clearly disclosed. Another example uh, given ex- of this skimpflation is the Scott 1000 sheet toilet paper, oh, yeah. which has drawn negative reviews on its website for what consumers say is a decline in quality. Quote, the quality has gone well down the toilet. This is not the pre-pandemic Scott, one consumer Mm. wrote on Scott's website in September. The sheets are so thin they're transparent. I don't even think they are a full ply, one quarter ply (laughs) at best. And Ian, that's the one that I'm always saying that I liked pre-pandemic, but we can't find anywhere anymore. Oh, really? The orange Scott, they were like... I don't know, my favorite, one of my favorite toilet papers. It's kind of funny that you say that because that's what my parents would buy growing up, hmm. but I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, we, we don't see it at Target huh. or Walmart. Now, here's a little um, more of a subtle cut, and this one is a really sneaky one because it's a, it's harder to detect. Uh, this, I think, is, I'm going to guess, this looks like it's, yeah, this looks like frozen food. Hungry Man is the, the brand here. And to be fair, it is right there on the front. So as far as like you don't have to even turn the the package over to look at the the details to catch this one. But you still got to be pretty eagle eyed on this one because you have to remember what the old number was and or still have the old packaging. (laughs) So what they did here was they kept the number of ounces in this product the same. It's still a 15 ounce product. It's the double chicken bowls, boneless fried chicken, two fried white meat chicken patties. That's all still quote-unquote true. But it went from 39 grams of protein per serving to 33 grams Uh of protein per serving. Oh. Yeah, so it's a 15% cut in protein in in this product. Oh, my gosh. And that's the thing. We don't know, right? Oh, so so it's the TV dinner, but it's the complete... I thought you were talking about just the chicken breast for a second or whatever well, the, the meat is. the chicken breast has filler in it. You know that, right? Yeah. Like it's not, this is microwave food. It's not yeah. going to be like a proper chicken breast. It's going to be like the ass end of the chicken and then some bread or Ground something, right? Ground up like, and yeah. Yeah, fried. Filler. Oh, that's gross. So the question is, what did they reduce? Did they reduce the chicken content or the cheese content, which are the two most dominant proteins, according to mouseprint.org? And again, it's just okay. one guy yeah. just happened to notice that this so thing weird. was- was cut back. So it's just really disturbing stuff. Uh, and, and again, so It beware. really points out to, to people that the food they're eating is not even real food. Like, that's not mm-hmm. real food. Well, and that's the thing. So that's why people don't notice this stuff. Because right. do you think people that are eating margarine, nope. soda, and TV dinners are looking at ingredients? It. They're just grabbing it. Exactly. So they have absolutely no clue what they are putting in their bodies. Yep. They're shopping by price. Yeah. Right. And and so that's why these companies do this because they don't want to raise the price on the yeah. shelf because they know that the consumer habits are changing. And P- people are looking at other brands cuz people yeah. have a brand loyalty, right? If you find yep. a brand that oh, you yeah. like, you stick with that brand because it's easy that way. You know, you know, oh, I like this brand of Yeah, you chips. already know you like it, whatever. I don't have to look at anything else. I'll just keep Well, if the chips double in price, 
Well, now you might start thinking, okay, well, what about the store brand? Or what about this other yeah. option? And that's when people start to look around. So that's why these companies do this. Is they don't want to have to increase their price. They will eventually, yeah. but they try to delay it. And so as a result, they're actually making their products worse. And one thing I learned recently is now things, every time they do jump prices, and I learned this from a store owner today, every time a thing does jump prices, it jumps more than... It used to at a time because they don't want to be switching it so constantly. Bonnie, let's change gears here a little bit uh, into something about science, looking at musical preference. You know, Why do people like the music that they like? I mean, for instance, you ladies are in a similar age category. You weren't raised in the same area of the country necessarily, but you guys have some pretty disparate uh, interests in, in musical tastes. What's the reason for that? I don't know, but this says the science is going to weigh in. This is from the union leader. Um, It says, have you ever wondered why you love a particular song or genre of music? The answer may lie in your personality, although other factors also play a role, researchers say. Many people tend to form their musical identity in adolescence, around the same time that they explore their social identity. Preferences may change over time, but research shows that people tend to be especially fond of music from their adolescence... Adolescent years and recall music from a specific age period. Well, I would think that parental influence has to play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my dad's the reason why I love classic rock so much is because of my father, Mm -hmm. because he had a ton of records and CDs that I got to poke through when I was a kid. So I was just exposed to it. My dad listened to, I would say, mostly like rock music. He was a big Mm -hmm. Rush fan, for instance, uh, when I was growing up. But that wasn't his only thing that he, he listened to. And I've never like I didn't follow his exact taste or anything like that. So I don't know. I mean, it must have had some influence on me, but my dad definitely and my mom definitely influenced me a lot. Like my mom loves the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I love the Beatles. That's the song that a Beatles song was stuck in my head when I was trying to nap earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I like some of the music my dad likes, but definitely not all of it. Like my dad likes like eighties rock, and I don't like that at all. But I do like Tom Petty and like some seventies stuff that he liked. Okay. And it's interesting that you said um, something about adolescent years because my mom always said that she noticed that people tend to really like the music when they were in high school. Mm -hmm. So like the year you graduated high school is typically the year that she noticed, at least, that people kind of like their music's taste stuck there, kind of. Hmm. I totally agree. And also it it says here, it says um, they recall music from a specific age period, 10 to 30 years old with a peak at 14 and one time i heard that the song that was the top song at your 14th birthday is like an important song to your life bonnie let's change gears here a little bit uh into something about science looking at musical preference you know why do people like the music that they like i mean for instance you ladies are in a similar age category you weren't raised in the same area of the country necessarily, but you guys have some pretty disparate uh, interests in, in musical tastes. What's the reason for that? I don't know, but this says the science is going to weigh in. This is from the union leader. Um, it says, have you ever wondered why you love a particular song or genre of music? The answer may lie in your personality, although other factors also play a role, researchers say. Many people tend to form their musical identity in adolescence, around the same time that they explore their social identity. 
Preferences may change over time, but research shows that people tend to be especially fond of music from their adolescent years and recall music from a specific age period. Well, I would think that parental influence has to play oh, a significant absolutely. role I mean, here. My dad's, I, the reason why I love classic rock so much is because of my father, mm-hmm. because he had a ton of records and CDs that I got to poke through when I was a kid. So I was just exposed to it. My dad listened to, I would say, mostly like rock music. He was a big mm-hmm. Rush fan, for yeah, instance, cool. uh, when I was growing up. But that wasn't his only thing that he, he listened to. And I've never like I didn't follow his exact taste or anything like that. So I don't know. I mean, it must have had some influence on me, but my dad definitely and my mom definitely influenced me a lot. Like my mom loves the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I love the Beatles. That's the song that's uh, a Beatles song that stuck in my head when I was trying to nap earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I like some of the music my dad likes, but definitely not all of it. Like my dad likes like 80s rock. And I don't like that at all. But I do like Tom Petty and like some 70s stuff that he liked. Okay. And it's interesting that you said um, something about adolescent years because my mom always said that she noticed that people tend to really like the music when they were in high school. Mm -hmm. So like the year you graduated high school is typically the year that she noticed at least that people kind of like their music's taste stuck there kind of. Hmm. I totally agree. And also it it says here, it says um, they recall music from a specific age period 10 to 30 years old with a peak at 14. And one time I heard that the song that was the top song at your 14th birthday is like an important song to your life. When I was 14, I still listened to a lot of the music that I listened to from when I was 14. Like Katy Perry's Teenage Dream was big. Mm -hmm. Like California Girls was big that summer. I still listen to Teenage Dream. And I still listen to... Lady Gaga music that came out when I was like 12, 13, 14. I still listen to, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but I, I still listen to, or I can listen, I should say, to the music that I listened to as a teenager, but I don't make a point of it. I've yeah. My musical palette has expanded quite a bit from, from when I was a teenager, when it was fairly standard, like I was just into metal at that time. And yeah. then since that time, I mean, I've, I've gotten into uh, K-pop and trance, electronic music and things like that. So Exactly. Mine has expanded a lot mm-hmm. since I was 14 as well, but those are still like core things I really like. Okay. And I just think that's kind of weird that this uh, thing specifically mentions 14, that meme or whatever that I saw. Yeah, I've heard that before. Hmm. And it just adds up with me. Like, those are some of my top things ever, or top albums ever are like uh, The Fame by Lady Gaga and Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Those are like some of my top albums ever. And they came out when I was 14-ish. Okay, it says musical taste is often identified by preferred genres, but a more accurate way of dis- uh, understanding preferences is by musical attributes, researchers say. One model outlines three dimensions of musical attributes, arousal, valence, and depth. I don't know what valence is. I don't either. Are, are they going to tell us a little yeah. more about these things? Okay. Arousal is linked to the amount of energy and intensity in the music. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that recently mine has had to go down. Like, really? I've always listened to super high upbeat music. Mm-hmm. And recently, I just couldn't listen to a lot of it. Like, I didn't listen to Lady Gaga for several months. Probably has something to do with the fact that I was boycotting her because I was mad at her. Because she's a tool of the state, you mean? No, because she was supporting the 
military. She didn't used to do that. At yeah. least. That's part so, of being a tool of the state. Yeah, but I didn't care when she was like being masky. It's like whatever. Oh, you didn't? I thought you. It was annoying, you. but oh, it didn't okay. make me like. That wasn't want a deal to... breaker. Yeah, it wasn't you? a deal breaker. I see. Didn't make me sell my tickets to go see her. So I looked up uh, the top songs for the year that I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Like the top hits, and I hate them all. Well, what's the one of the week you were uh, your birthday? Um, it was "We Are Young" by the oh. band Fun, and I don't uh-huh. like that song either. I mean, it's probably the least horrible one off this list. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for... For veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government, there may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. Researchers decided that one model outlines three dimensions of musical attributes, arousal, valence, and depth. It says arousal is linked to the amount of energy and intensity in the music, says David M. Greenberg, a researcher at Bar-Elon University, or Bar-Lon, I can't tell if that's two I or an I or two L's, and the University of Cambridge. Punk and heavy metal songs such as White Knuckles by Five Finger Death Punch were high on arousal, a study conducted by Greenberg and other researchers found. Valence is a spectrum from negative to positive emotions, he says. Lively rock and pop songs such as Razzle Dazzle by Bill Haley and his comments were high on comets were high on valence. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta say I prefer the uh the faster moving tempos yeah. uh, myself. I don't I don't much care for sleepy music. Ian doesn't like at all tolerate sleepy music, but <laughs> I would definitely say that I am way more on the side of I like high arousal mm-hmm. songs, but I can at least listen to some things like Lana Del Rey. It depends what mood I'm in. Exactly. So it if I wanna be like mood. I don't know. If I'm in like a like a kind of a downer mood, then I would listen to like something like Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. If I I can, I mean, I can never. listen to he anything. He said Lana Del Rey sounds like she's, she's in a, a heroin stupor. She is. That's why. Oh, <laughs> that is was, she? She's yeah, a that junkie? was a good guess. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Um, but uh, you know, if I'm, I can listen to any music wherever but i have a preference so like if i'm in the car i don't want to listen to down tempo stuff like i, mean, I need to be paying attention I yeah need to be but like, i totally get that yeah i i get it to at some points but some it just depends on what, what mood i'm in like sometimes mm-hmm. i want to drive and literally listen to like the beatles and it's more relaxing it's more beautiful and Not sometimes i feel like a lot of their stuff's pretty upbeat yeah a lot of it well is. it is pop but it's, it's more relaxing than your uh other stuff and you seem to get annoyed with it because it's no. like that like i like abbey road and stuff like that and you want to turn on like trance that's what I'm, that's what i'm thinking <laughs> of or hardcore or whatever all right what else depth indicates both a level of emotional and intellectual complexity greenberg says quote we found that rapper pitbull's music would be low on depth <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. classical and jazz music could be high on depth i see 
Also, musical attributes have interesting relationships with one another. Quote, high depth is often correlated with lower valence. So sadness in music is also invoking a depth in it. In his 2021 study, participants rated the personality traits of artists using the Big Five model. Openness, conscientiousness, conscientiousness, Mm -hmm. extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, Hmm. or ocean. So this is like their personality or their music? Like Sounds the like their personality. actual artists themselves. Yeah, the artists. I mean, at least how they portray themselves. Because yeah. I mean, like you said, you can't. You don't always get to know every single person. Right. To the respondents, David Bowie displayed high openness and neuroticism, while Marvin Gaye <laughs> displayed high agreeableness. I this agree must with be that. Why they're in like in? So I mentioned I've I've been somewhat into K-pop. Not like I'm not an expert. I don't know what most who most of the bands are, and there's probably too many to even possibly yeah. know. There's so many of them. But one of the things that happens uh, with these K-pop bands is they have a lot of like documentary kind of things that go on. There, there, there's almost a, like I don't know if it's true for most of the bands, but I've seen a lot of them. They have like documentary crews with them, and they produce these sort of quote-unquote reality shows yeah. showing the oh, bands okay. together and, and a lot of the time that's where the bands came from like twice is one of the most popular k-pop bands and they just came from a reality show where they were all competing right that happens oh. too yeah the they will be they'll compete with one another to get into the next big band and then when oh. they're in the band so they're all strangers a lot of these people they didn't oh, know each other there was, they're completely manufactured yeah. And then they put them in, you know, put camera people around them and they go and they go do a show or they go out to eat or whatever it is that they're doing. And so you it's like they're trying to get their audience to know them better, to to create Mm. that bond to make them loyal fans. There was an American show like that, but I can't remember the bands that Mm. came from it. Hmm. Oh, American! Uh, oh no, it's what it was a band or is it the one where people it was like sing? a yeah oh yeah it was like a girl band. Was okay. it Pussycat Dolls? Maybe I know that they were really manufactured, but I don't know but, a lot about. No, them. it came from like a TV show, like a reality hmm. show. Hmm. Okay, because there sorry. was that one show, American something, where American Idol. Idol, that's right. Yeah, I know, but but the person that did win typically became famous. Mm-hmm. Like Kelly yeah. Clarkson was right. the first winner, and she got really famous right. from it. But this was like. Um, like forming an actual girl group. I see. Huh. But I agree because the K-pop fans are like some of the most serious fans in the world right. and they feel like they know each one. They they really care about each... Like to me, I, I like Twice as a group. I like their music and I think they're all pretty, but I don't care about each individual one. I'm not like, oh, Suna is my favorite blah, 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 blah because she does this or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember if that's actually her name, the one I'm thinking of. I just want to say that I grew up on... 70s and 80s and 90s rock. Okay. Is that still what you listen to today? Yep. I listened to it since I was a little kid growing up. So uh, do you have you ever heard anything that has come out more recently? And is it just all a turnoff to you? Or do you just try to avoid it in general? No, not really. It's I'm that, not sure what that the no, not really was. It's good or bad. Too. Oh, it's good. Uh, that new song from uh, Ozzy. With uh, Post Malone in it? Mm, no, the one that, uh, that goes, I don't believe in Jesus. So Ozzy's got a new song out? Like how Ozzy Osbourne? Talking? Yeah. Yep, Ozzy Osbourne. Actually, I think the captain played it for us, Ian. So that's huh. kind of familiar. But they he had a song in 2019 with Post Malone and Travis Scott. And not going to lie, I actually really liked it. 
I did not oh, yeah. know that. It's not my style at all, and I just actually really like that song. So my are you saying you like you saying you liked the new song from Ozzy because it's an old artist that you're familiar with, so it had some familiarity? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Who's right. your favorite artist of all time? Ooh, tough question. Oh, God. That'd be ACDC. All right. Yeah, true. a true uh, fan of 70s, 80s, and 90s yeah. rock, no doubt. I, I, as I understand it, they are still together. Uh, still, uh, still playing. Well, Bon Scott's dead. Well, that's but... been he's been dead for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, oh, really? Bon Scott, yeah. Um, what is the new... Uh, Brian Johnson is yes, the new singer. the new singer, new. yeah. He's been there for He's been decades. there for, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah. He, wow. Yeah, there you go, Jamie. You learned something. They explained that there are different traits of personalities that they um, categorize different artists as. Like Marvin Gaye displayed high agreeableness. Mm-hmm. And it goes on, quote, the match between the personality of the listener and the artist was predictive of the musical preferences for the artist beyond just the attributes from the music, Greenberg says. Personality traits may predict people's musical taste, researchers say. In a 2022 study, Greenberg and his colleagues found that despite sociocultural differences, participants around the world displayed personality traits that were consistently correlated with their preferences for certain genres of Western music. Extroversion, for example, was linked to a preference for upbeat contemporary music, and openness was linked to a preference for sophisticated or cerebral styles. Hmm. Our cognitive styles and how we think may also predict what type of music we may like. A 2015 study by Greenberg and his colleagues distinguishes between systemizers and empathizers, people who understand the world through thoughts and emotions versus people who are interested in rules and systems. Empathizers, so that one would be emotional people, tend to prefer sadness in music, whereas systemizers prefer more intensity in music. I don't know if that I that just seems like super black and white to me. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like you're either this or you're this. Well, they're, they're, they're probably just making a general statement yeah. here. And obviously there are exceptions to hmm. these rules. It says a lot of IT and data science professionals are high on systemizing and also prefer really intense music. Hmm. Also, both empathizers and systemizers listen to music with high depth. But empathizers prefer attributes that represent emotional depth and systemizers prefer attributes that represent intellectual depth and technical technical complexity. Mm-hmm. So like uh, somebody that's a really good guitar soloist yeah. or a mm-hmm. drum solo sense. or something like that. Uh, you know, my, my preference, I, I, I like the electronic music. Now, I, I realize there's a wide range. I like the, the trance. I find that that has both emotional um, hit and also complexity as well because with, with electronic so music... On. Well, yeah, yeah, with electronic music, you're not limited by the human's ability to play a particular instrument. You can you can literally have as many instruments as you want to. It's it's very much uh, an old girlfriend of mine described it as sort of like the new symphony orchestra, right? Hmm. Like back in yeah, the day, that's a good way to put it. You would have if you were a big composer, you'd have a bunch of people who would play your compositions and you know the cellos and the basses and drums or whatever else you would want. And now you can have that all in a computer program. Yeah, and and more. 
We got Matt. He's on the line. He is in New Hampshire. He is the uh, one of the creators of the New Hampshire Independence Pack, which is a fundraising organization for freedom lovers here in New Hampshire that are running for office that also are willing to support New Hampshire independence, that is to say, secession from a peaceful one from the United States. Uh, Matt, welcome. What's on your mind? Hey, and Bonnie and Nikki, thank you so much for having me tonight, guys. I had a question for you all. What, uh, do you guys have any plans Friday night? Yes, uh, Nick, uh, I almost said Nikki. Bonnie and I are planning to go to the uh, New Hampshire Independence Party, I guess. I don't know if you would call it a party, but it's a gathering of some sort that you and some others are, are I was going to go to the hot dog party, but... The hot dog party? I meant to say hot tub, but it did oh. kind of come out like hot dog. There might be a hot tub there. I don't know. I, I, think, that's, I think that's the Mises event. Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, so, I'm so, joking. So, I'm going to the night. Independence uh, thing at the warehouse. That's correct. Yeah, we have the the, new, not, the NIPAC Independence Summit as part of the We're Free Fair at the warehouse this Friday night. Festivities will be getting at 4, and then our uh, we have four presenters speaking this Friday night. It's going to be a, We have a great presentation. We have Elliot Axelman and Stephen Villey from the Foundation of New Hampshire Independence. Good. We have uh, Jordan Cannon from the Connecticut Ritter River 8th and the New Switzerland Project as well. That'll be interesting to see him talk. And then as our keynote, we have Matt Rhodes from the John Birch Society as well. So if you're interested in, in, in New Hampshire independence and you want people to uh, want to learn more about it, come on down to the warehouse this Friday. Well, first of all, most uh, of our audience isn't going to be coming down because they don't live in New Hampshire. Uh, oh, you know, got we've, we've got people all over the United <laughs> States and elsewhere listening. But I, what I thought was interesting about this is the aspect that there is more than one party basically happening, more than one what could be fairly large gathering occurring on the very same night. So you mentioned that there was like a hot tub uh, party for the Mises Caucus going on somewhere on the seacoast, apparently. And then your event is kind of happening in the middle of the state in a town called Weir, New Hampshire, or Ware, I guess, New Hampshire. And so, of course, the other takeaway is that New Hampshire's independence movement is large, it's growing, it's doing things, even though this is, quote unquote, downtime because it's an election season. Uh, as far as it's election, it's downtime as far as like uh, new legislation being put in. That's coming a little bit later this year. But part of this event, as I understand it, Matt, is to get the uh, the state reps to come out, hopefully, and talk to one another. I mean, obviously, they encounter one another when they're at the state house, but then they're doing, quote-unquote, business, and you know they're focused on certain things. Isn't the idea here to get them together to talk about maybe a strategy for the upcoming legislative session? That's exactly that. We, we do have a, a plan for a, following all of our speakers to uh, have them all sit down. We've got some space available for us to sit down and strategize and plan and network. And some of the other things that have changed between now and then, your uh, PAC was formed this year. That's something new. You didn't, that did not exist a year ago. Uh, So that, again, shows that things are moving forward. There's new things happening in the area. It wasn't just some sort of one-and-done thing. It's like, okay, now we're building on something we've created. There was the incident that happened with Karen. A literal Karen had uh, filed a complaint a couple months, uh, several weeks ago at this point, with the Ballot Law Commission. A bunch of us came out to oppose her on that. She was trying to actually get the state reps who had supported independence banned from running for office ever again she failed uh at her attempt there so that was a win on uh, on our part and that was a great day 
It was a wonderful day, and the video is pretty entertaining, too. Take so that, you, Karen. Yeah, if you haven't seen Karen's loss in front of the Ballot Law Commission, uh, check it out at nhexit.us. And then, you know, again, building on the the courageous state reps that already exist, you have the New Hampshire Foundation for New Hampshire Independence did a really interesting poll this summer that actually was the mm-hmm. first ever serious poll that was done about secession. It was all the questions that we wanted to ask people like us instead of what the mainstream media or some mainstream uh, pollster or whatever would, would cook up. So we actually got the right questions asked and found that it's almost a third of people in New Hampshire already support. New Hampshire being an independent nation. And more than half of Republicans. Correct. Uh, so that's that to me is a really exciting starting point to keep this ball rolling and gain more momentum and then be able to point to those numbers to those yeah. those fence sitting state reps that were too afraid to sign on this time. Maybe we'll be able to persuade some of them. And of course, the New Hampshire Independence PAC is out there collecting money. They're raising money and they're giving some of that money to these state rep candidates to help them with their campaigns, which, of course, what a PAC basically exists to do is to promote certain candidates and certain ideas. So uh, can you plug the New Hampshire Independence PAC website, Matt, and whatever else we need to know? Yep. NIPAC.org, N-H-I-P-A-C.org. We're on Twitter. We're on Gab. Check us out. Feel free to donate. Check out our candidates' websites as well. You were talking about also the other shrinking pains. I was thinking about inflation. You know, these store receipts... Oh, yeah. Hang on. Oh, are you saying that the store receipts are getting are smaller? <laughs> yep. We're, we're no, no, no. You. If, if uh, like you go to Home Depot or wherever and you buy something, you're not quite sure it'll work. Mm-hmm. But if that receipt gets exposed to too much heat, like you put it in your wallet or to leave it on the desk. Oh, well, yeah, they're thermal. That ink will disappear. In yeah. like two, three because weeks. it's True. not it's not really ink. It's like a thermal thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So that's that, true. That, that money magically disappears. I, I think that they that, that, that is actually part of what they're intending back. to do is they and it'll happen really? if you just leave it on like your refrigerator or something. It doesn't have I've to never be noticed heated. That. I think they just fade over time. Yeah. But they're yeah, trying to get yeah. it to where you can't go get your money back. That's his well, theory. If, oh. if they can't read the receipt, if it's not yeah. legible. You didn't buy get, it. Get it emailed. Yeah, that's, a, that's an go. interesting point. But uh I got. I called in to defend Nikki a little bit. All right. Oh, um, thank you. We were all attacking her. Yeah, I know you vampires. You <laughs> behave yourselves. You children fight nice. I've told that to many, many kids and many, many crews through the years. <laughs> anyway, and I congratulate you and your your other brethren for uh, going out and slaying the deer and dragging it home. We all got to do that every damn day. What? You know, I was huh? talking about your your politicians you was just cut talking with. How you guys are all getting united and trying to get your poop in a group and what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. They carry their end of the log, so to speak. Was that what you were calling but, about? Uh, what, what were you defending Nikki about? Oh, well, the first concert, I, I, I got another thought about Jimi Hendrix, too, but the first concert I ever saw was in 1972. I was only 12 years old. It was Teaching Chong. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty was, funny. Oh, yeah. Talk about an opening act. How can you trump that for your first concert? Wow. The, uh, now, had you already gotten high at for... that time at age 12? Well, there was a couple of hippies sitting next to me, and they started pap- passing us them their hippie sticks, and hmm. so we uh, consumed some. Hold on. The first and... time you smoked weed was at a Cheech and Chong concert <laughs> at the age of 12? 
Yes, sir. That's amazing. Man, I knew you were cool, but I didn't know you were that cool. That's pretty cool, Major. (laughs) While personality may be one determinant of our musical preferences, another could be the context, which makes a lot of sense. Like, you don't want to listen. Like, you guys were saying you like more upbeat music Mm -hmm. in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. Minsu Park and his colleagues identified temporal patterns in listening behavior. People tend to listen to relaxing music in the evening and energetic music music during the day. This fluctuation is almost identical regardless of your cultural location and other demographic information, says Park, assistant professor of social research and public policy at New York University, Abu Dhabi. A lot of this stuff seems like no-brainer, obvious stuff, right? Like, obviously, people are going to be more down-tempo when their, their you know, rhythms are gearing mm-hmm. towards sleep. It literally adds up to me as far as when I would start doing Uber Eats in the day and I'd be listening to, like, Aqua and just, like, lots of up-tempo things. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of the day, I would just switch on something. I would find myself listening to more calm things like Casey Musgraves. There is, however, a baseline difference between people from different cultures. In Latin America, people tend to listen to more arousing music compared to other people or people in other regions. And in Asia, they tend to listen to more relaxing music than people in other regions. Mm. And I got to say, Asia does relaxing music really well. Like I started getting into relaxing music earlier this June by hearing old K-pop. Well, old as in like early 2000s K-pop. And uh, there's an album called Mellow... Dang, I wish I could remember it right now. It has the word mellow in it. Hmm. It's just such a good mellow album. I can't understand a word of it, and it's so good. But it's still considered K-pop? Yeah, it's pop music. It's just really mellow. I was thinking of like spa music. You know how they have that like Asian style spa music? Hmm. It kind of does So I'm like down tempo, I'm like, yeah, getting a massage, a facial. The song You Can Fly is on the album. Okay. Age and gender are also linked with certain kinds of music. Younger people tend to like intense music and older people tend to dislike it. Greenberg's research uh, shows listeners of mellow music are more likely to be women and listeners of intense music are more likely to be men from the Western Hemisphere. Okay. There are also are age trends in how people engage with music. In 2013, a 2013 study determined uh, that... Examined, or sorry, let me restart. A 2013 study that examined data from two studies of more than a quarter million individuals showed that young people listen to music significantly more often than do middle-aged adults, and young people Hmm. listen to music in a wide variety of contexts, whereas adults listen to music primarily in private contexts. I wanted to um, bring up the subject of food stamps, one of the uh, more popular, I guess, entitlement programs. Being is that we, the taxpayers, pay for the food people on food stamps get, which, by the way, is better than what I get. They they can, uh, with those food stamps, buy steaks and chops and shrimps and all this stuff, and I can't get that on my, my income. Right. But anyway, I think that we, the taxpayers, that pay for that, we should have a say in what they can buy on food stamps. Yeah, that's not an unreasonable position uh, to come from. 
Uh, obviously, I don't think they should exist at all. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that people that are in need of help should go to charitable organizations like, you know, the Salvation Army or... Yeah. There'd be a whatever. ton of them if people weren't being stolen from. There'd be way more charity organizations than exist now because people are stolen from already. So yeah, why do they would true. they feel they have to uh, create or... It's like, well, you know, um, a lot of people on food stamps sell the food stamps to other people for money, cash money, so they can buy drugs and stuff. Absolutely. But I think think that really, um, you know, if if you're on food stamps, you shouldn't be able to buy donuts and cakes and puddings and sugary stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because you have all kinds of diabetes that we're going to have to pay for your Medicaid. Well, yep. the government doesn't want to do that because people who are just eating a bunch of sugar and soy all day are easy to control because mm-hmm. they're unhealthy mm. and dependent and fat. Well, and that's the whole point of welfare is to make people dependent. And I right. tell this story all the time. I have one of my very good friends. She is legitimately disabled and she gets some money from the government. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed to have more, and I, I forget the actual number, but it's either two or $5,000. She's not allowed to have that amount of money in her bank account or else she gets fined by the state. But they're playing it off Whoa. like them giving her money is helping her. No, it's keeping her poor. Wow. It's keeping her dependent on the state. And she got a part-time job. They gave her too many hours. She made too much money, and they fined her Ten thousand dollars. Oh my god! Holy moly! But they're helping her, right? They're helping the disabled people and the poor people. No, they're not. No, they're subjugating the disabled people to abject poverty. Is what they're doing. For a lot of atheists, the state is their god. They will never admit mm-hmm. that, but that is absolutely For a lot of truth. Christians, the state is also their that's, god, and they will true. never that's admit that. True. There's no doubt about it. But the fact is, you know, the Salvation Army and these other groups that have been around, they know what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time, and they have a system that, you know, it's successful, right, to some extent, to at getting people off of these, uh, you know, the reliance on, on the yeah. programs and things like that. You, you give them a little bit to get them back on their feet, but then you check back in with them. You know, you follow up, whereas a state program is like, oh, did you fill out the forms correctly? Yeah. Okay, well, here's your check. Well, and, and I it. remember being a kid and we would do a food drive every year and we would take all of the non-perishables that we didn't want to eat or whatever, clear out our cabinets from all the extra stuff, mm-hmm. send it in. And there is this were- to the food bank, the yep. local food bank? Yep, and there were a lot of families that did that. So I'm sure, and obviously that's not fresh produce, but I'm sure, you know, so much fresh produce gets thrown away from the grocery store. So there are creative ways where people can get access to food if they are hungry. We don't need food stamps. We don't need EBT cards. And, you know, people don't need to be collecting money from the state. We just don't need to be stolen from to help these people. That's all. And that was my next point. Like, the state also doesn't need to be collecting money from me. The local food bank here, um, as I understand it, if you walk in there and you tell them that you need help, you'll walk out with a box full of food. Yep, that's true. I mean, it is just... No questions asked. They don't like, oh, can I see your W-2? How much... Like, give me a pay stub or something. You know, they don't care. Uh, And they do dinners, uh, I think, regularly there. I think there's maybe one night a week that they don't do it, last I heard. So hot dinners are available there for people that that need it, right? Mm -hmm. And, And maybe some people will take advantage of that. Yeah, That's, but I'm sure it's a low amount of people taking yeah. advantage. Because if you can and, afford it, why would you want to just eat? Well, 
uh, like whatever they're well, handing out. There's also out. a stigma it's, associated. Yeah, there is. And it's just, either way, it's just a warm meal. Like whether you're, you know, it's like what level of destitute makes you deserve a hot meal? Mm-hmm. I know that both of you are very concerned with eating well. You guys look at, you know, food labels. You're very concerned with getting the right stuff in your body. And, that's... and it's just a bad day that you keep saying that about me because I was drinking a Red Bull at the beginning and I never do. <laughs> Bonnie's being naughty today. I was being naughty and now I'm about to eat some lo mein. It's all right. You're allowed to that. have this. There's nothing wrong with Chinese food. Chinese food's not bad for you. Okay, Ian. MSG <laughs> is not what they say that it is. Ian thinks MSG is not bad for you, but at least I got him to stop eating soy and... uh High fructose corn syrup. I'm sure it's in what it's we're about little, to eat. It's the little wins, right? <laughs> but I, I honestly, I don't like, I'm not too hard on myself for eating it once in a while. Because yeah, moderation. I eat so much less than the average person of soy, high well, fructose corn syrup. One thing you can't do is rely on the government to tell you what yeah. to eat. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've looked at, uh, remember when we were, I don't know, maybe you guys didn't have this when you were growing up, but when Matt and I, he's in the room, our Thursday night, Thursday night co host, Matt. Uh, when we were growing up, they had what they called the food pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still this? have that. I but think they like they updated it, it upside yeah. down like 15 no. years ago or something. Did so they? it used to, it to, used to be like this. a pyramid where the bottom was the largest. Yeah, and part. it was like grains. Yeah, yeah. grains, then, then fruits and veggies, then meats. I remember hearing that they flipped it, reversed it, or something like that. So now that. candy they, they turned it upside <laughs> yeah. down. I don't, I don't remember all the details. <laughs> I just remember hearing that. Well, now the Food and Drug Administration announced new rules. For nutrition labels uh, that can go on the front of food packages to indicate that they are, quote-unquote, healthy. Hmm. Under the proposals, manufacturers can label their products healthy if they contain a meaningful amount of food from at least one of the food groups or subgroups recommended by the dietary guidelines. So That's bagels, dumb. healthy, because it's bread. I mean, like, you, yeah, you could say literally any food is healthy then. Well, even they've been doing it for years with the, like, low-fat, low-calorie diet food. Yeah, and I, really, it's, like, super toxic, and it actually makes you bloated, and, mm. yeah. I noticed on the... Hot fries, the Andy Caps hot fries that I brought home for Ian, just because I wanted to get Ian something. It says low fat on it. Yeah, low like fat. high sodium. Yeah, whatever. not good for you, food, no doubt. No. Uh, Libertariat, by the way, in our chat room at chat.freetalklive.com, points out that uh, they didn't turn the pyramid upside down. It is now a plate. Yeah, it's my plate, and that's what I. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even seen the my plate. Though. Yeah, so I think they rolled that out probably while I was still in school. Um, but I do remember the pyramid. I was like in school for that switch, mm-hmm. and it's just and it kind of does. I guess the my plate makes a little bit more sense because it it shows you how to portion your food. Hmm. I think um I think it's pretty accurate, but what they're missing is. All of the little details, right? So like soy, I mean, they're still telling people that vegetable oil is healthy where it gets rancid on the shelves and it's super toxic for your body. Mm. Um, Seed oils are super toxic. All of these things are actually carcinogenic. They're giving people cancer. Um, All of the genetic modification, all of the pesticides and the weird chemicals they're putting in our food. My plate addresses none None of of that. that. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com.
The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. <laughs> 